people are wondering what's going on with a different setup slash layout, a couple yeah. of things. So um, I guess Monday, right? So we wanted to test uh, a different time, but also uh, it gave us an opportunity for Dave to be on site. So he's currently at the uh, Phoenix Contact headquarters. Is there like a specific name of the building or uh, location that you typically well, it's use? It's our, our U- U.S. headquarters. This is Zach Stank, by the way, everybody. It's our U.S. headquarters in uh, Middletown, Pennsylvania, technically, mm-hmm. but it's Harrisburg right outside of Hershey. Awesome. But yeah, no, it's it's cool for uh, Dave to be able to be on site. It's. Uh, I will say we are in the lobby, though. So if there's any <laughs> general tra- traffic or chatter, I apologize. Yes. We shouldn't get a ton. But uh, if anything loud happens, I apologize. Absolutely. So I would also like to point out before we talk a couple of community comments to uh, to start us off, they have robotic lawnmowers. Now, (laughs) there's a list a mile long of really awesome things that that I want to talk about and what Phoenix Contact USA is doing here. But they have robotic lawnmowers. And I'm not sure you've lived until you've pulled up to an all glass, I don't know, couple hundred thousand square foot manufacturing facility and there are just robotic lawnmowers yeah. uh, going everywhere. So, uh, so yeah, that, that was, that was very interesting. Uh, but no, as well, and everyone come in, uh, everyone welcome to the show again, as Vlad mentioned, this is going to be a slightly different show, slightly different time, slightly different day of the week. And mostly we have Zach here in person, as you guys can see up in the, the, the top corner up there, we have, in, uh, we are at Phoenix contact, uh, USA, um, who is our sponsor of the, yeah. uh, of the systems integrator theme. So let me get that out and yeah, say, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. We're glad to sponsor you guys. Fantastic stuff. No, perfect. And so now, Zach, this is probably the second time you've heard it, uh, but I do it every episode. So I feel compelled to embarrass Vlad just a little bit. Um, So as everyone may or may not know, uh, Vlad runs a fairly uh, successful YouTube channel, a very successful YouTube channel called Solus PLC, almost 25,000 subscribers. Hey, everyone watching Solus PLC. Um, We are on the race for a a silver play button, right? So the only thing we're missing up in one of these corners over here is Vlad with the silver play button so if you have not yet please go and <clears throat> excuse me please go and uh, and hit subscribe to that and while you're doing that please subscribe to all the manufacturing hub things um check us out i, I generally say you guys can find us live every wednesday at six o'clock or five o'clock but now here we are monday at 2 30 east coast time <laughs> so guys go check out manufacturinghub.live where you can find all of that information uh, yeah, guys, gosh, check manufacturinghub.live for all of that information. Um, I don't have any events coming up later this week because it's Monday and I have no <laughs> idea what's going on. But uh, but follow us on LinkedIn if you guys have thoughts or questions uh, surrounding that. Um, am I missing anything important uh, before we jump in, Vlad? I think I think it's important. Dave's been in a car literally for the last eight hours. Uh, no, it's only been like <laughs> five and a half hours. I, I do have a little bit of dog dirt on my pants, but luckily we're, we're below the camera level. So you guys cannot see the uh, cannot see the, uh, the the dog dirt. He uh, he rolled in mud right before we left. <laughs> but no, I, I am happy to be here. Um, but no. Let's uh, let's hit it. Everyone. Well, I was gonna I was gonna add one thing. Sorry, Dave. Before you dive into it, so Frank Lam is having another one of his uh, mastering the machine uh, webinars, which uh, at least I've been paying close attention to because there's a lot of really interesting technologies 
He talks a lot about uh, some of the new ways of doing things. I think last time it was Raspberry Pi. This time he's bringing somebody to talk about like IoT and just like general apl applications of uh, of the, such hardware. And so that's going to be on November 5th. So this Friday at 10 a.m. Central, 11 he wrote a p.m. Eastern, but it should be 11 a.m. Eastern time. So this Friday, November 5th, 10 a.m. Central, 11 a.m. Eastern time, uh, Mastering the Machine from Frank Lime. I think that's, again, I think he's putting on some like great shows for the community and definitely worth attending. No, absolutely. I always like Frank's uh, Frank shows. I didn't realize that he has announced it already. So those are most of the time I find them uh, midweek. But, uh, but no, uh, thank you. Uh, thank you, Vlad. But everyone, welcome to Manufacturing Hub with me, Dave, and this guy over here. Vlad, we have somehow managed to reach episode 36. And so being on a strange even number, we are both bringing back uh, our favorite safety guest, Zach Stank, and Hi, also um, are live at Phoenix Contact. So Zach, this feels weird being able to look at you and it say is. it as opposed to I'm um, on the camera, but, but welcome to the show, Zach. Thanks. I appreciate I, I said it in my first episode, I was going to repeat. Uh, six episodes late, but I'm back and I, I'm glad you could be here in person. We're more than happy to have you guys down here and Vlad, you're next. Uh, once the uh, borders get figured out, we'll get you down here and, and, and do some in-person stuff as well. Yeah, I think actually like on a small side note, Canada's opening borders, I think it's November 8th for, um, you know, ground travel. So definitely would be some opportunities, but I think the borders have been open uh, in terms of flights. So next time, next time. For sure. But no, uh, thank you so much for coming back. I know that we had some very long discussions, especially like on safety that I certainly mm -hmm. want to dive into in uh, in a few minutes. But I also want to, you know, get your maybe perspective on like systems integration in general and maybe how do the partnerships, you know, from Phoenix Contact work with uh, systems integrators? Is there maybe a program that you guys are trying to work on do you work with distributors that then work with uh, systems integrators and just wanted to get you maybe give us a couple of thoughts on uh, what the long-term plans are uh, to get us started yeah absolutely that's a good question vlad so we have a multi-tiered strategy here in the united states mainly based around um, just our regular distributor channel so you can find uh, some of our distributors local we have national distributors and online distributors uh, they're all fantastic, but we also do have a systems integrator partner uh, group that we work with. So that's a, a bunch of system integrators. And for us, it really gets us closer to the, the end user, right? It, it allows us to, to really help out in some niche markets where we might not be able to see that, say, on a, a grand scale of a distributor um, just providing product. But it is very important for us and, and uh, maybe a little tease here, especially for, uh, you know, industry 4.0 and IIoT stuff we recognize that that system is that that integrator channel is important too so some interesting things coming probably in the next few months from us on that as well oh that that, that is very exciting so i'd like i'd like to make a very interesting point so before this uh zach was giving me a tour of the facility and one of the one of these interesting tidbits that i learned is that basically everything that all of the machines that Phoenix Contacts uses to manufacture, be it the cord sets or be it the IPCs or otherwise, or their pick and place 
um, systems all are running Phoenix contact hardware. And so you'll go look in these cabinets and the cabinets will all be glass. And I looked at Zach and I'm like, Zach, it feels like we're at a, we're on a trade show floor (laughs) only we're actually manufacturing on these. And at first Zach looks and he's like, Oh yes, I think we actually did take this to a trade show once, (laughs) but uh, they're, they're all open. So you can go see all of the Phoenix contact inside the machines that they use to, uh, to manufacture, which I think is very cool. Kind of the, the walking your own walk and using your own products. And it's the confidence that we have in our own product line. Obviously if if the manufacturer doesn't use it to manufacture their products, why would I buy it? Mm -hmm. So, you know, we've even had instances of products and, and new, um, new robots and things being built here that didn't have, uh, say a competitive part that we make. Mm -hmm. So we've had them rip it out and put it in our stuff. So it, it did cost us extra money to do that. But, uh, you know, we, we do want Phoenix contact parts, building Phoenix contact parts. Well, Zach, maybe that should have been uh, my first question. Do you want to give us, again, uh, like an overview of what's uh, done at the site? Obviously, omitting any proprietary type of uh, information, but just curious, you know, what kind of, uh, like, are you manufacturing all the hardware? Are there certain, like, lines of hardware that you'd be uh, focused on there? Like, what's being done at that uh, site? Yeah, it's so we have here in, in, in Harrisburg, we have our... Uh, manufacturing arm, we have our engineering arm, and then we also have our sales support arm. So sales support is where I work. I'm in marketing. We're actually sitting in the the, the lobby of the tower where I would normally sit on a day-to-day basis. So that's all of our marketing, uh, all of the sales management, uh, all of the executive management sits in this area. And then uh, all the way down the other end, we have our our manufacturing and engineering uh, center. Mm -hmm. So that we call that our RBU, our regional business unit. They will design and develop products in Harrisburg that are used internationally. So for instance, uh, we we have a new product, Axioline P, which is a process focus uh, Profinet to Profibus DP to PA type application that was all developed and built here. Uh, it's got hot swap capability. Sorry, I'm going into marketing mode, um, <laughs> but that is all designed right down the road. Uh, you know, literally down the hallway, we walk down. Yes. Uh, they did all the design uh, there and manufacturing, I believe, happens uh, partially here, partially in Germany for that. Just to get um, more info but, on that Axial line, sorry, that's the uh, the I.O. that integrates into uh, PLC Next, right? And plays very nicely with uh, the PLC Next platform, correct? So that, the Axial line is the hardware base that is on... Um, the PLC Next. Mm-hmm. The PLC Next uses Axial Line F, um, right. and Axial Line P is a new version of that that is specifically for the process channel. Gotcha. Uh, again, for the and if if it sounds like I'm talking nonsense <laughs> and you're not used to it, it it's uh, Profinet to Profibus DP to PA coupler, which basically allows you to take uh, DP uh, communications, get all your PA infrastructure in there, and then communicate back up Profinet to like a higher level controller. So whether that's a PLC Next or you know, a Siemens, Yokogawa, whatever it is. So um, yeah, that's a, a brand new technology. We're launching that next next month, so. <laughs> I uh, see, I love this because every time I talk to Zach, Zach's like, here, let me tell you something that we kind of sorta have like launched, but we shouldn't really talk about. But here, let, let me give you this exclusive link and you can look at the, uh, you know, the new edge gateway or, or the new protocols and converters. Absolutely. I mean, uh, I'd be a bad marketer if I didn't tell you you were getting something exclusive every time you talk to me. So. Absolutely. But uh, to, to finish up my last thought, so we do have engineering down here and then we do manufacturing as well. So there are certain made in America products, um, big ones being North American cord sets. So if you have mm-hmm. custom cables 
that you need made. We do custom lengths, but we also do stock lengths and we, we stock a lot of that here. Um, we also do value add. So if somebody wants a rail specifically made mm-hmm. with Phoenix contact product, we will build it, wire it and ship it to you here. And then we also have our IPC production. And we were talking about this yeah. when we were over there. The IPC production is really neat because when you order an IPC, mm-hmm. uh, well, specific IPCs that are made here in the United States, they're not only built, they're built in and tested here. So when we say five days shipping from order entry to five days shipping, it is if the parts are here, we build it here and ship it to you in the United States. So and I actually think we ship to Mexico and to Canada. Interesting. That, so. No, it's pretty cool. Now, Interesting. Now, now, Vlad and I have been having a lot of discussions about IPCs in mm-hmm. particular. And, and Vlad, Vlad is going down this this IPC rabbit hole. Yeah. Um, you, you see all of the uh, the PLCs behind him and he's, he's nearly <laughs> kicking them over as he uh, as he tries to get up to, uh, to step over everything. But but he, we've gone down this IPC rabbit hole on what can we use IPCs for versus PLCs versus kind of everything else, <clears throat> excuse me, along those lines. So um, in the last you know two or three years, have you guys seen an uptick of people purchasing IPCs? Yeah, it comes down to what the customer is trying to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've certainly had the the one-offs that are trying to do something that you shouldn't do on a PLC mm-hmm. or the other way around, something you shouldn't do on an IPC and just shoving it in there. But it, the, the more that we develop product, the more we see the need kind of that blend where you know, an integrated system that is running, say, Windows 10 mm-hmm. uh, Manufacturing Edition is perfect to have a display mm-hmm. on your machine. Uh, one of the things I like to say when we do our trainings is uh, IPCs and HMIs are your visualization into that machine. Mm-hmm. So if I go to buy a car and I open up my car and it looks like the car was built in 2020, but on the inside, it has like just regular knobs and like roll down windows and stuff like that. Clearly you're missing something. So mm-hmm. if you if you have a really nice IPC and HMI, something that you can help visualize what's going on in that machine, it really helps that end customer understand what's happening. So we've seen, and and we've actually launched a few products in the last couple of years, uh, you know, kind of that edge of, is it a PLC? Is it a Mm -hmm. PC type thing? Mm -hmm. Um, So that's, you know, a BPC, an EPC, it's a basic PC and an edge PC, sorry. I'm using Phoenix Contact three letter uh, initializations. I apologize to everybody, but this is my my daily lexicon is three (laughs) three letter abbreviations. So, or initializations, I'm sorry. So um, yeah, there's been a a fantastic growth in that market. I think we're up, gosh, we're up close to 50% in IPC HMI business Mm -hmm. right now, which is fantastic. And the biggest thing is having the manufacturing here and being Mm -hmm. able to have custom builds for custom uh, you know, you get a custom part number then, and you can just order it directly from us, uh, or I'm sorry, directly from one of our distributors. And then it comes ships direct from Phoenix contact USA. I'd be curious, you know, Zach, on that same, um, discussion, if you see maybe certain industries be more, uh, lenient towards using, let's say PLCs versus IPCs or the other way around. Like if you have, um, any data that would suggest, you know, what, like, let's say oil and gas is more prominent to use IPCs versus, I don't know, food and beverage is more still like stuck kind of in PLCs. I think that too would be like very interesting to know. Yeah. So it, like you said, Vlad, it, it does depend on the industry typically for, I would say big process, heavy things like that, uh, you know, process oil and gas, food and bev, they're going to want a full SCADA package. They want to be able to see exactly what's going on in the entire plant. So plant wide, they might have a large SCADA, which is certainly not a PLC. That's a very different thing. Right. Um, that's very high end PCs running everything and, and gathering that information back. But on say like a single scale, if I'm at a, an automotive manufacturer mm-hmm. and I have a one-off 
um, weld cell that passes on to maybe the, the, the car body placement. Mm-hmm. I would have individual HMIs or PLCs there telling me and indicating what's going on. And in some cases, controlling the actual application. And, and the difference between PLC and IPC, and, and some people could get confused by all of it, is if you're going to run a PLC type program on an IPC, you need to make sure that it's real time ready. So um, there are some some that you can run. So for exist, for example, you could run a, a soft PLC uh, on an IPC. That would work really well if you're doing something small scale. As m- the more you get bigger and bigger into your application, mm-hmm. uh, obviously it's nice to have a, an IPC because you then can scale the processor, scale the hard yeah. drive, that type of stuff. But then you also have to make sure that you're scaling uh, your program that you're using as well. So you'll you'll see the low end type stuff, small uh, individual cells, but then it, it does get fairly big. We, we, I mean, if you've uh, live right next to Hershey park, so, <laughs> yeah. you know, Hershey park has HMI IPCs on just about everything that they run. So the operators can see what's happening. Yeah. No, the other, you, go ahead, Dave, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say now, Zach, the, the question that Vlad would normally ask is I like that, but have you ever seen anyone do it just in the cloud? <laughs> just in the cloud. I, well, okay. So maybe not the control piece in the cloud, yep. but certainly all the data. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And that's what we're seeing more and more. And, and one of the things that we've been talking about, uh, you know, you guys have talked with Ira a bunch to Ira Sharp. Um, and he's the, the director of our automation products here mm-hmm. is the drive for IIoT industry mm-hmm. 4.0 has led everything to the cloud. So mm-hmm. In, in that case, you want to make sure that whatever you're running has the connections, whether it's MQTT, mm-hmm. OPC UA, you know, spark plug, whatever you're trying to do, you want to be able to enable that, that piece to get to the cloud. And the easier that is, the easier it is for the end customer to do what they need to do. Yeah, and I mean, you know, not to say that it's easy to do. I think there's a lot of challenges associated with that. There's a lot of, uh, I think, still unknowns, even... Uh, if you were to just pass data like cybersecurity, I think it's a very important topic that's still being discussed by many companies, right? But I think it's also important to have a budget allocated to R&D to see how we can leverage some of this new technology. I, I certainly don't think that the way we've done this for the last 30 years should be the answer, um, mm-hmm. as it certainly is in a lot of plants, you know, that I at least encounter. But uh, <laughs> no, I, I certainly think that there's going to be opportunity. Um, yeah, in the next I, I would decade. say... Vlad, that's, that's actually valid. It's absolutely valid what you're saying. And that's one of the biggest hurdles we face as an OEM manufacturer is being on that cutting edge of development. And then mm-hmm. because we do have customers that want to do this, they want to do it now. And they're, they're early adapters, but then you have the mass, the mass users out there that are going to be, oh, gosh, I don't want this in the cloud. Uh, you know, I'll get mm-hmm. hacked or something like that, which is still a threat. Yep. It's a very valid and you point. should be cautious, right? Like to, yeah, to that point, I like I, I don't think that I'm suggesting let's migrate all your controls into the cloud tomorrow and see what happens. Like it has to be like very incremental. Like let's try things. Let's try and understand like what are the issues, what are the potential mm-hmm. roadblocks. But ultimately, again, I think like everything will improve as like even your ISP connection, right? Like in some remote sites, I agree that it's difficult to get a reliable connection, but that will steadily improve. Same as like the cloud services, the availability is going to improve. But anyways, that's probably going to take a couple of years, maybe a decade to uh, to migrate controls. What are your thoughts on safety? So I know that, uh, <laughs> again, there's some vendors that are doing safety. And I know that I'm certainly not as well versed in all the, you know, like code compliance when it comes to safety. Uh, but can you do safety reliably on like an IPC device that's not, you know, like a certified controller? 
<laughs> well, if it's not a certified safety controller, the answer is no. Well, um, not a controller I, on an IPC, right? Like it's a Linux or Windows machine. So, what are your thoughts on running safety yeah, equipment? Because it, it is done in the field, right? So yeah. So I mean, so that it depends on what your definition of safety is there, Vlad. Which is a very <laughs> roundabout way of saying it's hard for me to say because safety is what you make it in the United States. So if I claim something, you know, I might be using an e-stop but I'm just using it as a shutdown. And for some reason I still have it labeled as an e-stop. I've seen that everywhere. And I'll go, oh, you need a relay in between there. And they say, no, it's just a stop. And I was like, well, you realize you're using an emergency stop <laughs> and not a stop. And then, so it, it gets into minutia of that, but I would say unless, and so I do have an example of a customer and I won't name them because it is their proprietary system. They use a Linux, uh, platform, but they've developed and got it certified. Okay. Uh, they're not too far from here and they're in the entertainment, entertainment industry, but they do have a Linux uh, platform that is running a, uh, essentially a, uh, a FSOE. So functional safety over Etherkat um, kernel, which you can do. It just takes some development time to do it and a lot of know-how. Um, but as far as in the cloud, I would say you could probably do it in the cloud if you wanted to. Um, the thing with safety, and we, we've done this wireless to a less extent, you can do safety over wireless too. The biggest thing just becomes response time. Mm -hmm. and, and for a lot of people, if I'm running a big saw or if I have a press and I'm taking local information, sending it somewhere else to get processed and then bringing it back down, that might increase my, my, my time to safe stop like to a second and a half, which... Oh isn't it's great. Lot. Yeah, it's, it's not. So you should probably do things like that need to be done locally. And then what I would say is important for safety in the cloud is to get that information somewhere. Mm -hmm. So if I hit an e-stop, I would like to get that notified that, hey, someone hit an e-stop in here. Let's log it. Let's figure out when it was. Mm -hmm. And then I can identify, okay, we've had seven e-stops in the last week. Is this someone not using the, the, the machine right? Is there something wrong with the machine? What's going on? Uh, and then we can diagnose and, and go ahead and fix it after that. So I'm not going to come out right and say that, no, you can't do it on the cloud. Absolutely. You could, if you wanted to, I don't recommend it, <laughs> but you, you certainly want to get your safety stuff reported back into the cloud. No, no, I, I like that. And before Vlad continues to take us down this, uh, this tangent, um, we've had a lot of like really good bits and pieces of, of safety conversations in the past with Zach, with John, uh, we, we had a good conversation with, with Allie uh, when she was on a few weeks ago. Uh, I'd be interested to know if sometime next year, uh, people would be interested in doing like the whole theme about safety where we've got experts coming on with different topics to uh, to talk about that. I know every time we talk to an expert like Zach, um, I know Vlad and I always, uh, always, always learn a lot. Um, I've had more conversations in the last two months about what makes something an e-stop versus what makes it just a normal stop <laughs> than I have had in my entire life uh, combined. So, but, but I was please, proud of like, some of those discussions with Dave. No, no, <laughs> they, they, they're good conversations. And that, that's why I'm interested to know if other people would be interested if we were to put together a larger theme with the topic of safety. Well, I, I mean, I can answer that question while we wait for uh, some of the listeners. I certainly, you know, from my experience, I've learned how safety even works or functions from other engineers, right? So when I was at facilities just starting out 
and got my controls training, then I would be, again, peered by an engineer that has 10, 15 years, and he would explain to me what are the different like safety levels, what are the requirements, but I've never been through like an official training that would, again, like break this down. So that was going to be my follow-up question to Zach. Is there, um, you know, like a body or maybe a certification authority that would administer training specific to safety that someone who's currently in automation might be able to either attend or read up more about to kind of understand what safety truly entails? Because I think there's, as you as you were alluding to, there's a lot of misinformation and kind of yeah. a free-for-all in, uh, in many factories. What's the proper yeah. way of learning safety in automation? Yeah, so that's a really good question, Vlad. I would say if you're looking for certification to be what we would call a functional safety engineer, functional safety practitioner. There are facilities uh, throughout the world in which you can go to. Locally here, we've partnered with a company called Exida, E-X-I-D-A. Mm-hmm. Um, they do safety certification for um, not only components, but they'll also do it for full systems and they'll come in and do safety training locally at a facility. Um, if you're looking for others, I mean, we use the TUV mm-hmm. um, and there's many different versions of the TV. I know there's a TV US as well. Um, hopefully, you know, maybe they're, they're tuned in. They could put a link down in the bottom, but they'll offer, they'll offer safety training to get you that certification. Uh, if that's what you're desiring, if you're looking for just someone to come and kind of explain what safety is to you, uh, get a, a general knowledge mm-hmm. of e-stops, relays, that yeah. kind of thing, how to hook things up. Uh, we actually offer that. We offer it through our distribution channel. So we offer it mainly to our distributors and our, our salespeople, but we'd be more than welcome to host anybody uh, that wants to do it. And we, I think we have five scheduled for next year, hopefully on the road. We try to get around. So it'll be uh, two in Houston, one in Ann Arbor, one here in Harrisburg, and then another one out West uh, to be determined. I think it'll be in probably Utah. Utah, I, Ira, if you're listening, Utah's you want to send fantastic. Zach to Utah. I love, I love Utah. We also, if there would be an online yeah, version too, that would be, I think, like awesome for again those who aren't able to maybe attend in person. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, we can we can iron out the details when it's uh, when it gets. <laughs> we, we do have an, an online version of that, which was adapted over the last year, obviously because we can't travel or we hadn't been able to travel. But we do have an online option if that's something someone would want to learn and do. They can certainly contact me or you know, through uh, uh, Vlad and Dave, yep. what we can get them in, in, in one of those classes. No, I, I like that. Um, and, and kind of go, going along with what you were saying, Zach, you know, things have changed significantly mm-hmm. in the last couple of years. And something I feel like I should have known, but I didn't necessarily know is Phoenix Contact. You guys have been around for 98 years. You guys yeah, are yep. almost to the 100th year anniversary. Yeah. Can you kind of give everyone much like me, who is not here, uh, a, a brief background of, you know, where you guys are globally and specifically how things have changed oh, over yeah. the last couple of years. So, I mean, over the last few years, uh, I can specifically say things have changed a lot. But if we back it up, we started in the U.S. market in 1981. Is when we, So we're actually 40 years. This is our 40 year anniversary this year. So, yep, we did it. Um, <laughs> and so... Uh, for our international organization, we started in uh, 1923. So that was out in Berlin. Uh, since then, they've moved uh, out of Berlin and now are in uh, Blomberg. So if you don't know where Blomberg is, it's south of Hanover. And uh, you take a couple of trains, you'll get there. Uh, but it's beautiful. It reminds me of central Pennsylvania a lot, but that's our headquarters. But then we have facilities all over the United States, mm-hmm. all over, I'm sorry, all over the world. And in the United States, we have uh, three centers of competency 
Harrisburg, Ann Arbor, and uh, Houston. But we have a Canadian subsidiary, Mexico, um, all throughout Asia, Europe, you name it. We we certainly have someone there to get to get you what you need and help you with your your decisions on automation parts. Um, but the other part is even just over the last two years. I mean, we typically. You know, me and my colleagues will go to Germany. Uh, we'll visit Hanover Fair, which is the largest uh, fair for industrial products in the world. That's been remote. I think the last two years, or no, last this past year was remote. They had Hanover Fair uh, before that uh, in 2020. I think no, that would have been no, no they didn't no, have it. They, it they had it offline. I'm sorry, I'm getting my years confused. Um, but so certainly online trade shows, things like that, have done a lot, and then. You know, the ability to use programs that connect you like Zoom and Teams mm -hmm. and things like that has really helped enable a lot of the communication between, you know, Germany and the United States mm -hmm. or the United States and even Japan or China, uh, where we have other big centers of competency. We want to make sure that we can be a more global company. And this has certainly pushed us into that, you know, being able to meet uh, on a, basically a, you know, drop of a dime. We can, mm -hmm. we can call up somebody from another subsidiary as long as they're awake. Uh, I don't like waking people <laughs> up, but... We can certainly do that and get global business done. No, absolutely. And so you you were saying that you guys have uh, you guys can go ahead and scale up as needed mm. within the facility. And you, there, it seems like there's been a lot of investment in the last couple of years to meet you know continued and increased demands. And absolutely. so as product comes in, you guys can easily go ahead and ship that out. And yep. it seems like you guys have a fair amount of product you just walk into the floor, yeah. which is not a given yeah. in, in, in this day and age. So we, we were on our tour and I was showing um, Dave our, our brand new uh, logistics facility that was finished, I think in 2019, we finished it at the end of 2019. So it's got uh, double the amount of automated picking packing stations that we had before. There's several robots that go down a huge aisle and, you know, it's, I don't know, hundred feet high or something oh, like that. Yeah. There's a lot of product in there. Um, and then we've actually expanded that to, it could get doubled again if we need to, but, uh, what he was talking about, we have a lot of pallets sitting out right now and we must've just had a, a, a few containers arrive, um, because there were some sitting out there waiting to be unpacked. Yes. So, well, they, they yeah. heard I was coming. So they, they, they packaged a bunch of pallets with nothing in them to, uh, to make it look good. No, no, there's stuff in there. I, I promise you there are things in there. It's either they're they're They were either getting ready to come in or go out. I wasn't yeah. sure. Cause we didn't go all the way down. But yeah, it's it's really been, and the other thing we just finished, I didn't even get a chance to show you this, is we just put a brand new solar panel farm on top of that building. Oh, wow. Uh, so I think it's like 409 kilowatts or something like that of, the of sun power. The, the building is all glass, right? Yeah. They don't need anything more reflective on, <laughs> on the top of that. But now, now we're 100% glass uh, at the Phoenix Contact yeah. building. So it's it's definitely been a challenge logistically, you know, in the last two years, but Phoenix Contacts, not only here in the U.S., they also did the same expansion in Germany and several other places. So we know that logistics are key to a good company, uh, good shipping, and we have the best, by far the best logistics people here. Uh, and I'll say that hands down against anybody. Uh, Doug Ferguson, I actually just saw him the other day on a meeting. He's doing a, a fantastic job over here. Just name dropping people now, but his whole team, and he'll tell you uh, right away, it's not him, it's his team, but they've done a fantastic job you know, working with our, our suppliers, making sure we get product in and we can get it out to people. Zach, can you remind us uh, which product lines are you working with uh, today? Because I know we talked a little bit about safety, but you've moved on from that, uh, I would say like past experience, still kept the knowledge obviously, but uh, what which uh, products are you working with uh, nowadays? 
Yeah, so I, I manage the control, safety, and IO product lines. That doesn't talk about everything that I do because there's <laughs> I, I mentioned the process stuff, yep. which follows under falls under some of the IO product. But okay. there's a number of different like gateways and things that we sell, and um, you know, D sub connectors, which is funny that it falls under an automation <laughs> product line, but that goes back to old uh, profi bus days. So yeah, there's, there's plenty of stuff that I, I am in charge of uh, and lights. I always forget, uh, lights. Yeah. Cabin <laughs> I think, lights. I think it, that's exactly what you said last I time. I do. Every time and I talk, yeah, I, I forget about lights. It's the easiest automation product I've ever seen. So, uh, well, D subs might give them a run for the money, but, uh, yeah, I have, I have a, a broad, uh, team that, that goes through everything, but you know, control safety IO is, is really the, the main three that we focus on here at my group. Under Absolutely. control, do you also do the IPCs? Is, does that fall under you or? No, so it doesn't fall under me. And this is kind of like a murky water because <laughs> we do have an IPC manager name. His name is Bjorn Falke. Um, and he he works here in the US. He He's lived here for a long time, but he does IPCs. But now we have IPCs that are getting like PLC Next runtime yeah. on them. Yep. So, oh. so from his point of view, it's a controller because yeah. it has PLC Next runtime. Uh, from my point of view, it's an IPC because I don't, I don't have the communication or the, you know, the, the long relationships that he does with some of his people. So Interesting. Uh, it's a shared product really. And then HMI is of course, uh, again, under Bjorn as well. So. Interesting. So before Vlad, <laughs> before Vlad takes us down that, uh, <clears throat> before Vlad takes us down that, what I'd really like to do is to get, have him give me this awkward laugh so I can talk about the Phoenix Contact uh, product that we're talking about and then ask Zach about the uh, the Phoenix Contact uh, PLC Next Edge Gateway. So, Vlad, can you get me with that awkward laugh? On <laughs> <laughs> command, I love it. it, it we're going to switch that to something else next time, but. Maybe that's what Vlad keeps saying, but no. So uh, as we mentioned, you know, Phoenix contact is the sponsor. So thank you guys for sponsoring the team. Zach and Ira, I saw you in the comments. Thank you guys for that. And so with that, uh, as I've said, every time I talk to Zach, he gives us breaking PLC next news. So tune into this channel for your breaking PLC next news. Uh, with that, we're talking about the PLC next edge gateway and it's a state of the art IOT and edge computing solution designed for data collection in the most demanding environments. Whether you have a small machine or an entire manufacturing floor as they do out there, the PLC next edge gateway leverages its advanced industrial design and programming openness to collect data from any device or sensor and send it directly to the cloud service of your choice. And Zach says any data, any cloud. Yeah, that's our tagline. You did good. I almost I like didn't it. know you were reading. I, I, I like that. Well, I, I have read it three times now. No, awesome. I've read it four times now. Yeah. But no, so, so we've got a list of advantages, but I, I feel like, Zach, we have you here. Yeah. Like, can you give us a little bit more in-depth information about the uh, about the uh, PLC Next Edge Gateway? And I'm going to go ahead and drop that link in the uh, in the comments below for everyone. Oh, thank you. Very, I was going to actually say that out loud, but now I don't have to. I appreciate it. So uh, the link just got dropped in the comments. If, uh, if you want to go to there, it gives you a little bit more about it. Uh, but, you know, you said it very well, um, obviously, because I wrote it. Um, <laughs> but if you really want to get down into it, one of the problems that we see, especially when it comes into cloud connection and this IoT push, is that a lot of controllers don't offer that native MQTT or mm -hmm. native AWS connection. And it can be cumbersome for, you know, you have your CFO is saying, hey, we need to get this data somewhere mm -hmm. How are we going to get that? And then it goes down to a floor manager and that floor manager looks at his, 
you know, guy and says, how do we do this? And you're just like, yeah. I don't know. I can't, I can't change this. It's not our machine. Yeah. So what the PLC next edge gateway is, is essentially it's the PLC next hardware. So 1152, 2152 hardware from Phoenix contact. And instead of using the control platform, there you go. Glad to hold one up. So instead of using the control uh, software, PLC next uh, engineer, we developed basically a web app that you can just download from that, that landing page that we had there, run it on your machine, and then you get a really simple, easy way to connect metrics from an existing control platform. So if you're using Ethernet IP, say a control logics or something like that, you can gather some of those tags. Uh, you can add IO to the station that you're adding there. Mm -hmm. uh, you could then do some metric manipulation, simple math, you know, take, you know, PV equals NRT. So if you want to do ideal gas law stuff, you can do that in that, that platform and then send that data up to any cloud that you want. So the idea is that it's simple, it's easy to use, and the app is actually free. So if you go online, download it now, and you have existing hardware, you can install that and work directly with a PLC Next and turn it into the PLC Next Edge Gateway. Okay, interesting. And there's also a cloud offering from uh, Phoenix Contact as well. Zach, do you want to talk a little bit more about that too? That's correct. Yeah. So thank you for reminding me, Vlad. We have, uh, it's called the Profi Cloud and it's native on PLC Next technology. So if you have a PLC Next, uh, any, any tag that you make or any variable, you just need a checkbox mm -hmm. and you can send it right to the Profi Cloud. Um, anybody that has uh, PLC Next hardware, you're able to get, I think it's 20 free tags. Ira will correct me if I'm wrong in there. There's 20 free tags of, of uh, data that you can use okay. for any, um, any of our hardware devices. And then you can send that right up to that cloud for easy um, data monitoring, or if you wanna do dashboards and things like that, you can do it that way. But instead, like I said, you don't need the PLC Next engineer hardware or software anymore. This is all integrated into the PLC Next Edge gateway. So essentially you just go in, create a tag, and then make sure you're sending it to the right spot and you're good to go. So it's all about ease of use and thinking about the non-programmer. Cause a lot, of, a lot of times what we see is someone wants to get to the cloud, they're not, the system designer, they're not the controls engineer that did it. They're probably somebody working with it down downstream. Yeah, and that's, uh, you know, like just to kind of mention that that's a discussion I'm having with many people because at the end of the day, I think it's, it's somewhat easy to learn the technology, right? Like everyone can grasp how to program a PLC or a control system, but the big missing piece is going to be understanding the process, which can take weeks, months, you know, and so typically even mm -hmm. a systems integrator that comes into a new facility would have to spend a lot of time understanding what that data is versus if you deploy a solution that doesn't require too much technical knowledge, then your process engineers, your chemical engineers, whoever like understands that facility very well can tie in and um, and actually know what the data is uh, is doing or is meant to represent. So I think that's a, that's ultimately where the automation industry is going. Yeah, and the big thing with Profi Cloud that that we like to say is, Profi Cloud lets you get in the cloud if if you don't really know what's going on. Mm -hmm. So I mean, that's also a big step for a lot of companies is to say, here's our cloud provider, here's what we're doing. And in a lot of instances, this is just the first time. Hey, can we get this machine to the cloud? And we we recognize that you know, 20 tags isn't a lot, but if you're it's your first time doing it, 20 tags could be you know, a couple of servos, a couple of motors, yeah. you know, output, input, that type of thing and you already have a dashboard set up in Profi Cloud, you're ready to go. Uh, with the PLC Next Edge uh, gateway and PLC Next technology, um, whether you're using the app or you're using the hardware, we make it easy 
for you to get onto that, that cloud service, whether it's Profi Cloud, which we can expand, you can pay for more tags if you want. Of course, I, I welcome anybody to, to buy more tags from us. But we also recognize that, you know, AWS holds a large market share. Mm -hmm. uh, Microsoft Azure, also a large market share. People are trying to get MQTT natively off of things. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Sparkplug is becoming huge in the industry. Yep. So if you want to run those things or connect to those types of things, we make it easy so that you could just hit a drop down, go to it, enable that connection. And as long as you have your, your key that you need for AWS, you're set up as a green grass device so no absolutely so i, I love that because i have seen what zach is saying you know lots of people talk about the well they, they talk about either wanting to go to the cloud or the next logical step for them is to go to some sort of cloud hosted solution but they don't know how to get there and mm -hmm. so if it's as simple as kind of pulling in an app and mm -hmm. now you can you know create your pipeline up to the cloud and yeah. you can go and see that it works seeing is believing. And if you can see mm -hmm. that it works, then it makes sense to say, hey, we can invest in and bring some experts in, or we can pay for more tags, or mm -hmm. we can do any of those things to kind of get to the next level. And maybe one day you'll be calling Vlad because you want to do control in the cloud. <laughs> I'm it's sure possible. it will come. Yeah. I, I'm sure it will come, but no, that, that that's interesting. And so Zach, you have you guys have PLC Next available yep. if people are interested in them. Um, you we won't tell say what you have to do to try to get a PLC Next starter kit, uh, which has been a little bit of a running joke. So it is a bit. I, I apologize to anybody that 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 bought one, um, but they, I mean, Ira, I think sold thirty in like two days, and oh, which was great, but then completely wiped us out. And then you know, with uh, sh shipping containers being lost in yep. in different areas mm -hmm. and. Uh, just some of the general chip shortages that we've seen. We've focused on getting controllers out to the customers that need them for production now and not for the demo kit. So uh, I'm sorry if you've ordered one, it's been a while. We're trying our best to get them made. Just know that we are still producing controllers, but a lot of them are going into actual physical demanding applications that people need them to get things running. Absolutely. And I would say, I don't think anyone is like, upset that, that they can't get it. I think everyone is happy that there's so much demand that, you know, we're, we're shipping live controllers yeah. as opposed to, uh, as opposed to starter kits. I think both James that we talked to a couple of weeks ago and Justin last week, I think, I think James is waiting to get a, a starter mm -hmm. kit and he would like very much like one. Mm -hmm. um, and I think Justin had one in his hands at one point in time and didn't realize that they're more valuable than gold at they this point. Gave it away. And, and he gave it away. <laughs> and, uh, and Zach has told me that uh, all of the, all of the sales and marketing people's walls have been stripped bare of PLC next starter kits yeah. to, to get them out if, to everyone. If, if, if I know we have, uh, we call them ASE controls. So it's our control salespeople. And some of them have, uh, a couple demo kits that they might loan out to you. If that's something you're interested in, uh, certainly send me a message, send Ira a message. We'll see what we can do. Um, but yeah, that we hope, we hope uh, by the beginning of next year, we start shipping those out. And of course we've held pricing then too, because I don't want to, you know, we put special pricing in there so people could get demo units and yeah. then they all got, they all got uh, taken away or I should say they all got bought, so, yeah. which is great for us, but we, we want to make sure that people that want them can get them still. So, I, I mean, that, that, that's a good problem to have. If you yeah. can have any problem with your demo kits is that they're too popular. <laughs> they're so popular, we sell out of them as soon as we can get one in our hands. That is true. It's, it is a good problem. It is absolutely it's still a problem, problem, though, but it's a good problem. But I, I think um, James, uh, you know, and I, I could be wrong on this, but he was uh, very well treated by his local distributor. So from what I understood, they actually brought uh, maybe not, you know, the, the kits, the the starter kits, but they did bring actual hardware to demo mm -hmm. for uh, some of his projects and some of the, the things he's looking to do. So from yeah, what absolutely. I know, and there I, wasn't any issue getting the actual like 
like understanding of the hardware. Yeah, certainly check your local distributors. I know that we, we have a fair amount of hardware out there. So if there are distributors in your area, you can check to see if they have them. As far as online, I checked, this was last Thursday. I think Allied had 60 available, oh. I think. So that's just hardware. That's not the, the kit. So if you do want one and, and you're, you're okay getting one and, and setting it up, you could go out and check there, but certainly check in with all of our distributors. They, we, we have a fair amount of stock here of control, of course, trying to get them out to our customers, but they also exist in our channel as well. Absolutely. And so Hank in the comments says that he wants one as well, and he may just order a, a PLC Next without the kit. And the PLC Next it, itself is is a great piece of hardware, Hank. I think that I think you'll like it. And I would imagine you probably have most of the other bits and bobs to uh, to go ahead and, and make it work. Yeah, certainly. I, it's nice to have the IO to test it out and to do things like that. But if you just need a unit um, and you're looking for one mm -hmm. right now, it, you should be able to find just a base uh, 1152 or 2152 mm -hmm. in your local distributor uh, shelves. Absolutely. So while we've got 10 or 15 minutes left, if you guys have questions about the PLC next and would like to pepper Zach, this is probably <laughs> the best opportunity we'll have this year in order to, uh, in order to, uh, to get those answered. So if you guys have questions, uh, please feel free to drop them in the comments and, uh, and we can go ahead and, uh, and ask Zach about them uh, while we are here. And so you guys may have seen me like stare off into the districts. We're in the lobby, as Zach mentioned in the beginning uh, of Phoenix Contact. And it's like we're on a trade show floor and there are these walls and I see the PCB terminals and yeah. uh, the blocks and connectors and everything else. And I have apparently not been to a trade show in enough time that they're, <laughs> they're all interesting. Again. Uh, you, you eventually get to a point where it's like, oh, it's another one of these colorful walls yeah. with, you know, uh, boards on it. Now it's like, it's been so many years since I've seen these. I'm so excited to see them, but no, it is a fantastic facility. Um, I would message Zach or Ira before you randomly show up in the facility. <laughs> yeah, uh, so I, I will not invite you here, but I will no. say that it's, it's a beautiful facility. Yeah. Uh, if, and when you guys uh, bring guests back in. Well, we are, we, I mean, if, if someone would like to come in and visit, we can certainly do that again. You have to message us first. Mm -hmm. We will not just accept anybody off the street. <laughs> I apologize. And we don't actually physically sell any product here. So mm -hmm. if you have a credit card and you're looking to buy stuff, <laughs> I can't help you. I mean, <laughs> sorry, I can't help you. But yeah, we do require you to register as a visitor and you need mm -hmm. to be escorted as a guest and yep. you get a name tag and everything yep. that Dave has, which is fantastic. It is. Um, but yeah, actually what you're seeing, Dave, and, and maybe we can turn the camera yeah, around we'll, towards we'll the spin end, it around. is uh, this is our, our, our cabinet confidence that we're talking about here. So you may have seen Phoenix Contact talk about cabinet confidence and, and it's a way to take all of our product line mm -hmm. and break it into seven very simple messages. Okay. Right. So, and then, you know, we have them all organized with industry pictures all over them. I'm, I'm going to go, I'm going to flip the, uh, the okay. camera around. You keep talking. I'll, keep talking. I'll see how it goes. I'm gonna, Vlad's going to lose his mind because <laughs> we did not prep for this. <laughs> well, so now you can prove that it's live. Yeah. yeah. So there we go. So that's uh, we have our, our PCB terminal blocks and connectors and our field device connectors here. And then as you keep going around, you'll see connectivity, control, we have power and reliability. So a number of things here in the lobby, if you ever wanted to see a panel or see some of our stuff in action, we have it right here. And of course, like we said earlier, yep. um, you can see all of our stuff in our manufacturing line that is using Phoenix Contact products. So yes, it's pretty cool. Yeah, so I told Vlad, so, so Vlad was considering uh, making the drive down 
And then Vlad looked at Google Maps and realized it's like eight hours nonstop from Montreal to to get down here. (laughs) And then he's like, that wouldn't be bad. And then he realized that there'd be eight hours on the way back in order to get back from uh, from Montreal. And so uh, as we were getting on, I'm like, Vlad, it's probably good enough that you should have made the uh, the eight hour drive down and the the eight hour drive back. We are we are located right next to you'll see it uh, when you're. Yep. leaving here the harrisburg international airport is right outside our facility probably like two miles as the the bird flies mm-hmm. um but that international it goes to canada so <laughs> it, it does uh, i think have tri- trips into toronto i don't know about montreal but it, there, it definitely goes to yyz i know mm-hmm. that That's gotcha. in there. zach we have a question uh somebody left a, uh, a comment saying security toby strouch um and you know i think that as i mentioned earlier a very important topic, I think, that will be brought up more and more frequently, especially as we get connected on, uh, you know, from the sites to the cloud. So I was wondering, again, if uh, maybe you'd have these answers or, um, I guess, knowledge of like the cybersecurity the layers of uh, how the data is being transferred, because I think people will want to know uh, that their data is definitely making it safe to the cloud. Yeah, well, certainly. I mean, it, it depends on your cloud service and what they do. But generally, there's encryption that happens. Uh, and we encrypt, I believe we encrypt at the point of sending. Uh, and then it would go to your if AWS, for example. It goes to its specific address that you've had or your token that you need to get to. Um, internally, PLC Next was designed, and I'm going to try to remember this five-digit code. I think it's IEC 61499 is the uh, the the... Uh, cybersecurity and yeah, cybersecurity standard for uh, control uh, manufacturing. So that's something that we build to. It's it's very important to us that we do it. And of course, using a Linux operating system, you know, everything's built off of Yocto Linux and being open platform uh, to us that also enhances the safety of it and, and security of it as well. So I, I couldn't tell you specifically how each cloud provider does their encryption, but I know that is a big piece of it is the encryption of the data that goes. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. Like I said, I think it's still, um, I guess, like I said, a concern, but also like who manages like the security aspects? Is there going to be more, again, on the end user, on the OEM? Um, and also, as we talked about, you know, the ownership of the marketing department, the same question comes up at the yep. plant level. Is it going to be the controls engineers owning this piece of hardware or is it going to be, you know, the IT department more on the application side who owns that, uh, that piece of uh, <laughs> hardware software? But I, I mean, I think the I lines are getting blurred, statement. as you know. But we'll, I can we'll give see. you a blanket statement that if you're not involving IT in your decision for the cloud, you are going to get your IT department is going to come down on you hard immediately. Mm-hmm. So please make sure your IT administrators are involved. And we can certainly have those conversations. I mean, um, there's a guest IP. network that you can connect to, you know, and probably throw that IPC on. <laughs> oh, we, we talked about secret computers it's, hidden on oh, the yeah. OT side, yeah. uh, maybe maybe six or eight weeks ago. And uh, and then there was just like 10 minutes of agreement of, oh, yes, all those secret computers <laughs> that we hide that uh, that we can't let the OS update. Because if the OS updates on the secret computer, the, yep. the entire manufacturing floor will crash, uh, yeah. which we said before. And we'll say again, we, we do not condone or suggest secret computers hidden anywhere no. that the IT department doesn't know about. Yeah, certainly get your IT department involved. And in the ITOT merge, so mm-hmm. I, I think I wrote a, a piece about this on LinkedIn. I, I'll link it when I get back mm-hmm. to my computer. But like what, what is happening right now, especially with IIoT Industry 4.0, is the need for the IT and the OT conversation to happen earlier. 
And mm-hmm. if you're not having that conversation or you're just doing the, you know, hear no evil, see no evil, speak no evil, uh, you know, and I, I equate it to what I usually say in safety. Your ignorance of a problem doesn't mean that the problem doesn't exist. It just means you don't know that it exists. Mm-hmm. Right. So there are people that get upset when I say, yeah, you need to do, uh, you know, go out and I want you to, you know, go through that machine and figure out what's wrong with it. And they go, no, if I do that, I'll have to fix it. It's like, you still have to fix it. If there's something wrong with it, you just don't know that you have to fix it yet. It doesn't change anything. Yep. So it, it certainly don't touch it. If it works, just don't touch it. <laughs> I mean, the last person to touch it always gets blamed for it. Zach. That's right. Oh, that's true. Well, I, I would say when it comes to security, make sure you're doing your due diligence. And it was just national cybersecurity month. We had a bunch of colleagues here at Phoenix yep. contact doing a lot of uh, cybersecurity awareness. Uh, one of them, uh, of course, Miriam Caldonado, uh, if you, Look her up. She had, I think, probably like six or seven articles written last month. Fantastic stuff about cybersecurity. So if you, there's certainly resources here within Phoenix Contact that can help you out with that. No, absolutely. And I would say to cybersecurity, it's an ever-changing landscape, right? Yeah. The, the things that we talk about today are not the things that we'll be talking about two years from now. Although yeah. there'll still be some people who don't have an IT uh, portion of their, their manufacturing companies and will have to go back to the basics that we're, we're talking yeah. about now. But uh, but cybersecurity is an ever-changing landscape. And one of those things that you need to make sure that you have someone um, as part of your organization up and ready to mm-hmm. help defend you from from intruders and attackers of all kinds. I mean, just 10 years ago, uh, security by obscurity was pretty big. People people would do that. Uh, Stuxnet changed everything Mm -hmm. and there is no more security with obscurity. If you're you're not doing it, um, (laughs) you're gonna get in trouble. I guarantee you something bad is going to happen. Hopefully it's small scale bad and not big scale bad, but I wouldn't sit on an unprotected machine for very long. And funny funny enough, I used to work, I went to Penn State uh, University and I worked for essentially their, their computer help desk there. It's called Rescom. So shout out to Rescom. Anybody at Penn State watching this, that's there. But we always, every semester, we had a security person come in from IT to tell us about all the bad things that were happening. And it was early 2000s. So it was a lot of worms and like mm-hmm. viruses that were meant for destruction of, of your machine. Uh, and it kind of started to change into this you know, actually, we don't want to destroy your machine. We want to use your machine, mm-hmm. right? And, and getting a, a type of hive mind together and, and stuff like that. And I think that it was an un, an unpatched, unsecured machine lasts, I think, five minutes on the internet. Oh, wow. And until it's infected. And it might even be smaller than that. This was back in the early 2000s. So it was, I don't know if anybody ever remembers, it was Windows Messenger popped up constantly. And it was like advertisements for a bunch of stuff. I, I'm dating myself now, but you know, I just remember my family PC having that problem. Oh, <laughs> my yes. dad blaming me for it. That I was like, I didn't do anything. It's literally out of the box. So. It's okay. We blame my younger sister for breaking uh, the, what was it? I think it was, it was a DOS machine, right? That was the first oh, machine yeah, we nice. had. And there, there was a period of time she was just pounding on the keyboard. Mm. And then at some point it stopped working. I know this will surprise everyone. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we've always blamed her for, for breaking that. It's probably not all that different for yeah. your dad blaming you for the uh, Windows Messenger pop-ups. Uh, it, it's basically the same. I was the first, last one to touch it. That's yes, basically what last it came one down. to touch it. Now, I will ask you, was the keyboard connected to the computer? It, it was. Okay. Yes. Okay. Uh, again, I, I, she was very young and I remember her. <laughs> pounding on it. And I remember her being told not to, to hit the keyboard uh, nice. quite that hard. And then I remember it stopped working or maybe it just got so old. And then we had like two other computers and it mm-hmm. just was like, we're going to, uh, it's probably still in the basement or something. Oh, at wow, this point. Yeah. It's an antique. It is absolutely an antique. 
No, but, um, you know, to your point, Zach, I think there's a lot of, um, again, similar types of malware that usually leverage the system, not necessarily just shut it down. There's uh, there's interesting developments. I've actually heard of people mining uh, cryptocurrencies with uh, PLCs, right? Because they are very efficient at uh, calculation. So, again, I don't know if that's uh, an accurate ransomware to run uh, in your facility, but, uh, you know, it's just something that happens. And so... I think like PLCs inherently haven't been as protected because they were so different, right? Uh, from like a traditional computer. But now that we are uh, running Linux, we're running Windows, we're running like other third-party software, it becomes more and more important to uh, to protect against that. But no, definitely. Uh, I, and I think, you know, as a side note, Dave, I definitely think we should be having a cybersecurity discussion where we'd bring someone who's uh, a lot more knowledgeable than me, certainly, to uh, to discuss these topics for sure. Absolutely. I, am, I, am I the only one that's wondering how many Bitcoin Vlad can mine on his PLC next between now and the next episode? And there you go. I'll do that. It's, it's not what I'm supposed to do. I'm, I'm sorry, Vlad. You have plenty of other PLCs that you can uh, you can attempt to mine Bitcoin on. Oh my! I, I could see you guys can't really see the anxiety on Zach's face when I asked Sorry. about mining the just, Bitcoin. Yeah, just don't do it. Just, just completely don't do bought out. That's it. It's yeah. More- <laughs> yeah that's, that's, we're shipping. <laughs> we're shipping 150 of these up to uh, to Vlad. Yes, <laughs> I'll know exactly what's happening. Yes, so, suddenly someone purchased, you know. 2000 PLT next. Oh God. I don't don't know how efficient they are. I would assume they're not. So uh, they're very efficient at running PLC next technology, PLC next engineer and Linux. So (laughs) for all of your IEC 61131 needs and uh, C++, C sharp Java type stuff. No, no, I I like that. So so Zach, you got, you were talking a little bit in the beginning where we were Mm -hmm. talking about IPCs Mm -hmm. and then we were talking about IPCs that are running PLC next. And we were Mm -hmm. talking about kind of what you guys think the future looks like and how you guys are always, you know, on the cutting edge of what you think. And you're probably getting feedback from your integrator and your, your OEM Mm -hmm. communities. Uh, do you, can you share a little bit about where you think the future is going to go or kind of the feedback that you guys are getting? Yeah, so that's a really good question. I would say if, if we map out five years, mm-hmm. right? In the next two to three years, I would see a continued expansion of IIoT, mm-hmm. Industry 4.0, whatever you're going to call it. You know, cloud being king, getting data to the cloud, making sure that all of the processes are connected. And, and honestly, that's going to save you money in the long run because you'll be able to aggregate your data and see where everything's going. One of the things that that I think, and I I don't know if I should drop different manufacturers or whatever down, but there's somebody that owns a rocket ship company that's putting up a bunch of satellites that's going to cover, you know, a lot of the United States rural mm-hmm. area with high-speed internet. Yep. I think that's going to be so a humongous thing. Yeah. I, I personally think that, you know, getting, I, I think of some of the rural places, even rural Utah mm-hmm. I've been, mm-hmm. There's not a lot of connection out there. You'd be hard pressed to find cell phone connection. And if you're, you know, trying to do a tank form or you have some type of water wastewater treatment plant, you know, high speed data is going to be king there as well. Obviously 5G, but I think 5G is mm-hmm. a few more years out when it comes to industry and, and, and production. Um, but then I would say the mix of the mix of computing power and, and visualization is key too. Mm-hmm. Uh, people want to be able to see what they're doing. Uh, sometimes that that doesn't require for the visualization to be on the PLC itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people are looking for that all-in-one type solution, but 
you know, uh, PLC next, for example, has an EHMI that it comes with. You can do HTML5. I, I think we are seeing an ever-growing expansion of these visualization mm -hmm. capabilities that don't necessitate an HMI or an IPC to be, you know, very robust. But then again, if I could take an, an, an IPC, it mm -hmm. runs real-time, you know, control software, and I could develop within Windows, mm -hmm. I think you'll see a lot of people gravitate towards that just with the familiarity. But but that's not to discount Linux either, because you have an entire subculture of, uh, I'm going to sound old now, a, a subculture of kids. And honestly, I just, this is legitimate. I just showed my kids uh, make code on Saturday and they were both building their own games uh, and sprites using make code. And they thought it was the coolest thing in the world. And I told them it's kind of what I do at, at my job, but not really. And then, so now they think I make video games for a living, but I don't. Ah, you, you probably seem cooler making video games for a living <laughs> yeah. than, uh, than, than talking about, you know, control and process and lighting. Yeah. So this, this subculture of kids have grown up with mm -hmm. C sharp, Python, JavaScript, you know, they're used to doing it with maker bots, you know, mm -hmm. Legos come with this stuff now that you can develop with. And so you're going to have this, this group of engineers coming out and it's already started in the last three years that are good at making things. Mm -hmm. They're good at developing on a C language or Python, and they have the industrial know-how to make a process happen, but they're not used to IEC 61131. And they'll look at ladder and they'll say it's inefficient. They'll look at even structured text. They'll probably say that doesn't make any sense. Why can I just use my Java code? Mm -hmm. And you have the open sourceness of it, of going on and saying, somebody else already did this. It's proven in use concept. I'm just going to take it, mm -hmm. modify it a little bit, and use it on my 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 platform. So I think you know it's a lot of different trajectories. We'll see you know which ones went out the most, but I think that's kind of where the control IPC is going. Absolutely. So I would say that I certainly see a lot of people on the reusable code side, right? Mm -hmm. You know, certainly some of the people from the traditional software, and that's probably not all that dissimilar to your kids. You know, mm -hmm. they're like, hey, I need to find a way to do this. Let mm -hmm. me go on to Google, right? So mm -hmm. I'm going to Google this. I'm going to find someone that wrote the code. I'm just going to yank it and paste it. Mm -hmm. And if it works, it works. And I don't have to worry about mm -hmm. it. So I think we certainly see a lot of people in this industry who have been doing this for a number of years. You know, I know some people that have had these libraries going back 20 or 25 years. Mm -hmm. I think it's just that we don't necessarily talk about it very oh, yeah. much, right? And knowing that you've got good code that has 25 years of testing and you can drop it into the next project is mm -hmm. exceptionally valuable. So I certainly think that we'll find more people doing that um, as to if hopefully by the time your kids are, are grown and have gone through college and, and if they decide to get into the industry, hopefully we will have gotten past the, can I program things in something other than ladder logic? Yeah. Um, debate. I'm not sure we will, but. Uh, uh, I think ladder logic has its place and always mm -hmm. will have its place. Uh, it'd be ridiculous for me to say that it's going away, mm -hmm. you know, something that's that widely used. Um, but I do see that a lot of the people that use it every day mm -hmm. are getting up there in age and, and are on the verge of retirement. Mm -hmm. And that with this whole new, like I said, a whole new <laughs> generation of kids that don't, yeah. don't do it. And it, you know, everything that they've been, you know, I took some programming classes when I was a kid, but not, not to the point where I was able to code my own robot, you know, as a, a Christmas gift. I'd have loved that oh, I it, loved when that I was too. a kid, but that just didn't exist. Well, unless you had the, the Nintendo robot that would play games for you, but <laughs> that doesn't count. <laughs> Sorry. Um, but, 
yeah, that I think you're going to see still ladder. I mean, it, when it comes to really simple tasks like opening, closing, holding, you'll probably still see ladder logic used abundantly in the industry and just ease of use. Mm-hmm. Um, but certainly you're going to have a lot of people out there that are going to want to gravitate to C, C sharp, you know, C plus plus Java and Python. Um, and I would think, Python more than Java, but that's just me being biased against Java. So <laughs> but I, I would just think that you'd have a lot more people developing under those one, because they can use it two because they've used it a lot and it's simple for them. And then three, it's just so prevalent. Like it's everywhere. We think about how ladder logic is prevalent within our industry. Mm-hmm. That's just our industry. These codes are in everything else that yep. we do. No one else uses ladder logic anywhere else. It's just Exactly. There we go. We got a Python for the win in the chat. So that's, it's fantastic. I'm not the only one. Um, But yeah, there's, there's, there's certainly, uh, I think going to be a groundswell of these new high level languages being used within, within uh, automation in the industrial landscape. I, I, I mean, would, I, I think agree. in the utopian world, you could just combine those languages to some extent. And I don't think like we're that far from that. You know what I mean? Cause you could have different kernels running a different, uh, different programming language and again it could allocate from like one single program because again i think it really depends huh it'd be awesome if somebody created a controller in which you could use the linux side and the iac 611 oh that would be so awesome all at one time i wonder if anybody has ever done that hey what's that controller that's sitting on your bench there Vlad? what is that that's the the plc next (laughs) so you can you can actually run them together right now if you want but, but that's so, like, it, but you know, like what I was going to say is I think it really depends, like you need to have the option because it depends what your background is, right? Someone who comes with like more of a machine learning, you know, that many of the software tools that they run are going to be in Python, but someone who's an electrical engineer or was traditionally programming hardware, they're probably going to know like C, C++, right? And someone who's coming more from like a, I guess, um, like web development background, maybe games even, that's going to be more Java based. So it's important to have... I think like all flavors at this time. And I certainly wouldn't know if there's going to be like a merge into like a single language down the road. There's a lot more of them than that, but ideally you can choose what you're going to run. So I think it'll be interesting, right? So for me, as I was learning PLC programming, it all yep. kind of clicked when I, when I went back and realized, you know, it was all timers and realize, mm-hmm. right. And it didn't necessarily make sense until I realized that we're just taking the physical timers and the physical relays that were wired together and mm-hmm. we're putting them in, in ladder. Um, and so I, I have always looked at that and thought to myself, how inefficient is this, right? So we probably took the original ladder logic code and we, we just copied it off of the literal, uh, you know, timers and realized that we're behind us. Mm-hmm. And why is this timer 15 seconds? No one knows. Like, we don't know if it needs to be 15 seconds or if mm-hmm. it can be three seconds. And so I, I've gone back through in some projects and, and redone some of that. And I think that you can realistically find, you know, 10 or 20% of additional efficiencies, Mm -hmm. especially with newer sensors and machine vision. And, you know, all of the, like with all of the newer technology, I think one of the biggest pieces of opportunities is going back through. And as we change out some of those controllers, also taking that opportunity to just rewrite code, right? So a lot Mm -hmm. of them were were rewriting the code anyway, but like, let's go back to the the basic nuts and bolts and understand why it's like that way. And maybe we do some testing to see if we can't find the opportunity to find those significant efficiencies. Yeah. I think you'll see opportunity in, in a lot of the emerging markets, you know, internationally with greenfield opportunities with 
brand new platforms, but certainly, you know, brownfield opportunity within mm -hmm. the United States is the, the massive uh, beast that we're always going after. I mean, it, there is no way that certain places can shut down and stop. So they're, they're always going to need to be updated, always going to be maintained. So I think for us, that groundswell of brownfield coming into this new age is, is certainly a great place uh, to start. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I know that we, we've hit about that time. Uh, Vlad, did you have any last questions or any questions that, uh, that we've missed that we should head first? Well, I'm curious about the, you know, maybe a new book that Zach has read that he could uh, recommend <laughs> us since that last time or any other materials for that matter. So <laughs> this is certainly not one for, for um, you know, growing your career, but I just started the Wheel of Time series uh, like a month ago. And I don't think I realized how much I was biting off. It is, it is significant. It's coming out. I think the, the live action version of okay. it's coming out at the end of the month. And I had a friend, actually two friends uh, that I told about this podcast. They're probably not listening. Uh, <laughs> It's a uh, Jeremy and, uh, and Justin, mm -hmm. they, they love wheel of time, but I don't, I don't know that I could finish the first book before the series is over. It's can you give us a, a summary without, I guess, revealing any details. I'm not familiar with the, um, the wheel of time. Yeah. It's a high fantasy book. Okay. Bad things are happening and the bad guys are chasing the good guys. Okay. And at the beginning, it's like 15 pages of getting water. Oh, I'm not sure <laughs> I can do it. Like it sounded interesting until that point, Zach. So, I, I, we, we were going to do this not sponsored uh, Audible clip unless Audible wants uh, to come also sponsor this clip for Vlad. Um, <laughs> Vlad, you're going to have to check to see if uh, you can get Wheel of Time on Audible, right? I got another one. I, this, one this is actually a good one. I got one for you. Uh, so Multipliers, it's called Multipliers. It's about uh, facilitating leadership in your company, being able to take people seeing their skill sets mm -hmm. and putting them in a, in a role to succeed instead of just hoarding talent and then squashing it. So I, it's a fantastic book. It's an easy read. Uh, that's one. I think uh, it's certainly, I actually, I actually have it on audible right now. So I, by Liz yeah. Wiseman, right? Yep. That's right. Hmm. I actually think she does the reading too. It's multiple readers in, in the audible, but oh, interesting. Yeah. She I was, think I read that. I think I read that. Yeah. She was CEO of eBay, I think. Yeah. Um, okay. So, very interesting. No, uh, perfect. Thank you for that, Zach. And I mean, we've also almost invited half of the world to uh, to come talk to you to, uh, to ask for a tour of the, the beautiful facility. But, uh, but but who should reach out to you? Uh, yeah, who should reach out to you with questions? Uh, what you guys are planning to do in the future? I, I mean, honestly, anybody anybody that's watching this right now, if you have any questions about you know emerging technologies, control, I/O, safety. I mean, even, even cybersecurity, I, I might not know a ton, but I can certainly get you in contact with a lot of people uh, here in Phoenix contact that are our experts. Uh, so anybody listening right now, if you're in the area and you want a tour, yeah, please contact me first. I, I have to schedule it. You cannot just come into the building. You will be sent back out of the building. So, uh, but yeah, anybody, anybody that wants to talk, if, if you're at a distributor, you're, you're part of a, a, um, uh, systems integrator, you're not part of our program, but you want to learn how to become part mm -hmm. of our system integrator program. Absolutely. Please give me a, you know, a ring. We can help facilitate that. And uh, you know, anybody that it, maybe you're at an end user and you're interested in using a PLC next to get to the cloud. Certainly we can help, help with that as well. 
No, that is perfect. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, and then thank you, everyone, uh, for, for being here with us. Uh, again, this is episode 36. We have Zach Stank at Phoenix Contact. We, we moved the camera so you guys can't quite see the Phoenix Contact logo <laughs> uh, quite as well. But uh, this is our first live show. Please kind of drop comments and thoughts below. Um, if you guys are listening on a podcast, uh, give us five stars on iTunes or Apple Podcasts or Whatever. I don't think that's what we're calling either of them, but uh, on whatever that <laughs> Apple is and uh, go ahead and download it and send it to your friends. Um, and so we will continue to launch the podcast on Thursday evening. And then because it's a Monday live show, we will be back not this Wednesday, but next Wednesday, uh, the 10th. The 10th sounds about right uh, with, with Bobby so. Cole and Bobby will be on and we're going to conclude our systems integrator theme um, until then. Thank you all. And we'll talk to you all soon. Bye-bye. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Zach. Yep. Appreciate it. Thanks, Mike.